Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, we're about halfway through the season. We're for you know fantasy, which you're diving into. We're well beyond that. Uh, like really into the the backstretch of the, of the fantasy season, but here we are, week nine. I'm almost hitting double digits. How are we doing today? Yeah, good. And this is uh, even for fantasy. This is a, a, a huge bye week. You know, six teams on bye. We haven't had one yet like that this season. We've got a bunch of good players. So you know, off the off the slate, good teams not playing. And as a byproduct of that, we've only got two four o'clock games. We've got we run into these weeks a couple of times per season, but. This is one of those weeks where it's like, man, the afternoon is, is limited to just these two games. So if you are wanted to watch Rams Bucks in August, uh, I don't know how you're feeling today about it or going into Sunday watching it, but uh, they, they blocked that one off to where it was going to be the headliner. Yeah, that's just <laughs> one of those things. Or like you uh, going into the season, you would have thought, yeah, Rams, Rams Bucks, like a, a pseudo primetime game that, uh, that you'll be looking at right now. We don't want to really watch either one of those offenses. Um, both defense is a little underwhelming. Tampa's been in a little better. Um, but yeah, so it's certainly an interesting slate. One of those where it, it always feels like, all right, there's there's only two late afternoon games. I can start right in first and 10 early. And then it just, it never happens. Nope. It, no, no, <laughs> no. It's still like 3 a.m. And I'm on like the middle of point two. Um, so that's, that's always, always a fun process, even, even in these shorter weeks. Um, but then even in the shorter weeks when I have a, a first and 10, I have to hit like every game and that's also a struggle. Um, so we are, are not going to do that because on a full week, there's some games I can just like ignore uh, on a Sunday night. And that's usually, usually a good thing. I can't, I've been, really... been a few of those this year. <laughs> <laughs> there are, um, <laughs> For like as as like good record wise as like the Titans have been, like I don't think I've like fully written up a Titans game um, at any point uh, for a first and ten this year. It's just like I don't I don't want to think about them, but Ed, we will think about them a little bit because they are uh, on Sunday Night Football. Um, before we dive into uh, some of these games, which we'll, we'll hit a couple. Let's dive into some trade deadlines where um, we had a, a very interesting trade deadline where the the most trades ever on an actual deadline. And then we kind of like we've talked about the, the Christian McCaffrey trades and, and all of the things that happened beforehand. Um, so it was a, a fairly active deadline. The fact that we were still you know, putting up worksheets on the site as I was trying to write up. Uh, what was going on with these trades as it was the most active trade deadline was um that was also a, a fun experience. Uh, I was like, okay, there'll, there'll probably be like maybe a couple of trades and then it ended up being like 10. So uh, you can find uh, things that I have written uh, about these trades up on sharpfootballanalysis.com. So let's, let's dive into, because there were, there were some interesting ones, some that'll, if we're like going fantasy wise, maybe not like the biggest, which, um, you know, we could have had like a, maybe a, a Brandon Cooks trade, which like might've mattered, but that never really happened. Obviously, you know, the big thing for fantasy ended up being the Christian McCaffrey, which we've already, yeah. you know, talked about. Um, and that was you know, much earlier. Um, you know, even the, the smaller ones like a Naheem Hines, uh, which we can talk about a, a little bit, like that's not a, a huge move that, that moves, uh, a significant needle for an individual player and statistics wise. Um, I think maybe the most interesting one is uh, is TJ Hawkinson, who went from the Lions to the Vikings. Um, obviously, the Vikings kind of need that immediate guy right now because of Herb Smith being out. But 
we were kind of talking about this beforehand. Just the way the tight end position is right now, there's not a lot of really good tight ends producing at a level. Herb Smith certainly wasn't one no. of those guys. Like this, this is a trade that would have made sense if Herb Smith was healthy also, right? right? Because like he's he's not doing anything. The fact that he's out makes it hard. It makes it, it it opens up the space for Hawkinson, but also the fact that Herb Smith was getting as many reps as he was like kind of shows how shallow that position was, especially like for the Vikings. So, you know, TJ Hawkinson is a guy where if you're looking at him as a former like top 10 pick, it sure his production is a little disappointing, but like, he's still one of the better all around tight ends, which I think is going to help a lot in this Minnesota offense because they just kind of need that guy. It's been very 11 personnel heavy. They have this guy who can now, you know, he can be in the slot. He can block a little bit when he's in line. And the way the Vikings are just kind of structured right now, which so much of this is short passing. We've kind of talked about this as we talk about whatever this Vikings offense is like that underneath stuff. Like that's where TJ Hawkinson can win. He's still fairly good yards after the catch. So now you have that, short to intermediate target like another piece that you like really need to worry about Uh, i think that just kind of unlocks kind of that third wide receiver type of weapon that the vikings haven't really had so it's just like one other option you have to worry about Uh, and i think that kind of just opens up some other things they can do in the way they've been structured this year the hawkinson trade itself there are a lot of layers to avenues you can take right to dissect one would be like now this continued run of like taking a tight end in the first round, right? Because uh, you now we've already seen him and Noah Fant be traded. They both went in the first round, uh, you know, of the draft a few years ago. They both were really good prospects on paper too. Uh, and you go back to that, you had guys like Hayden Hurst, David Njoku, Evan Ingram, OJ Howard, uh, you know, Eric Ebron, Tyler Eifert, who was probably pretty good, probably the best of all those guys. Jermaine Gresham, like – those are all the tight ends that have gone in the first round since 2010. And then Kyle Pitts, you know, uh, last year, it hasn't been worked out. It's a slow burn position. It takes a while to get going. We saw the the state of the position that you kind of alluded to force guys to be tagged this year, like Mike Gusecki and David Njoku, uh, who you would look on the service like, is that player really where you want to allocate $10 million to? And when you, but when you look at like where the, the state of position is in acquiring these guys, like where are you getting a tight end from, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like th- that's why those guys were tagged. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting to go from that angle on like, should you be taking tight ends in the first round? Then you're in the state of where you are with the lions as a franchise. I mean, Brad Holmes was not the, the GM when they drafted TJ Hawkinson, they picked up his fifth year option kind of as a default, right? Like we talked about when guys like Mike Gusecki are getting tagged, like you're just going to pick up that fifth year option, right? and see where things go. Yeah, and that, uh, <laughs> that's a, that's another layer of this where you know the Vikings do have like a year and a half yeah. of, of a contract, which makes a lot of sense. And like you can think it's a, it's a fifth-year option for a former top 10 pick, which is going to be high. But like it really isn't because tight end is a generally underpaid position when mm-hmm. you get to some of the top things. And like I wrote about this back when the, like the offseason yeah. when Kittle and Kelsey signed their extensions where they're getting like $15 million a year. But like you look at the wide receiver market right now and like these guys are getting 
you know, you're getting the, the Christian Kirk deals, right? right? Which are happening for for guys of Christian Kirk's caliber. Um, and then you look at the top in the market, which is now pushing like 28, 30. Um, and then you have like guys like Kittle and Kelsey. And, you know, Hawkinson isn't going to be there, but his fifth-year option is only $9 million. Evan Ingram just got a one-year $9 million dollar yeah. deal to go to the Jaguars. So like, even with that, it's not, you're not paying a premium for Oh, whatever you're going to be getting out of TJ Hawkinson. So you still have that extra year, uh, which I think helps out the Vikings a lot. Um, and, and it just gives a, another weapon, right? And whatever Minnesota is going to be looking like next year, whether it is with Kirk Cousins or they can start looking, like now you have Jefferson, you have TJ Hawkinson uh, on that that extra year. Uh, I, I think that kind of helps out. It just give, load up a, a couple weapons for whatever the next phase of this offense is going to look like too. And it also does help you immediately and give you a guy who can, you know, go in with, with some of that run blocking help with some of the, the tighter splits you're doing, you can also split them out wide. It, it, I think it, it helps a lot for what Minnesota is going to do. And then Detroit, and it's just like, I understand making the trade if like you're, he doesn't figure into your long-term plans and you know, you have the, the Brock rights um, and, and you have some like young guys who can, you can maybe get into playing a little bit, but like, we want James Mitchell. Baby. Let's get James right. Mitchell that's, on that's, the yeah. Field. That's, that's the thing that uh, fifth round rookie um, who's, well, this is like my siren song, like yeah. in the old dynasty days, like athletic tight ends that are versatile. Like none of these guys work out, but I'm going to pick these guys up. I'm going to hold them for three years. And, James Mitchell was one of those guys, man. He was a he was a wildcat quarterback in high school. He he had five rushing touchdowns at Virginia Tech. He averaged like eighteen yards per catch his first two years. He had an injury last year. Like he's like the siren song of like, ooh, let's get this guy some more reps. Yeah, like I I, I just need this guy to play. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. And like if you're Detroit and you're in the position where you are right now, where maybe you thought you'd be a little better at this point in the rebuild. Uh, but you're coming down with just like you offensively that's still fine like they're right right see when they're healthy like they're able to score uh this defense that defense is just awful (laughs) yeah yeah and and that's what it is but like if you are at the point even though the offense is good you'd like to see what these younger guys like I, i don't think um you know brock wright's uh that young i think he's about 20 he's you mid mid late 20s i think um uh, but you'd like to kind of see what those guys can do because you are figuring out what what the next stage of this is obviously that involves amon ross and brown it hopefully eventually evolve involves uh you know jameson williams and you're, you're just trying to you know, figure out what these pieces are going to be um because maybe you're a little further behind your your rebuilds for being a good team as than than you thought at the beginning of the year so yeah, those are guys uh, that I, I, brad holmes brought in right yeah absolutely so i think like this is one of the like true like win-win kind of things where you can see it totally makes sense uh from both sides yeah absolutely so yeah it does make it does make a lot of sense i think for both sides and like you know people were all weird about it uh on twitter uh because i was like oh yeah it makes sense for brad holmes to make this move and then they were just like oh yeah it's it's such a dumb trade it's like no it makes sense still so like the reasons you kind of allocated and and then yeah the vikings we've talked about too like they, they are starved for like guys to step up outside of Justin Jefferson. Like Adam Thielen has been fine. anything. Yeah. And, but Adam Thielen is also like in his early thirties. Uh, you know, he, <laughs> he hasn't gone over 70 yards in a game yet this season. Uh, KJ Osborne is like an okay player. Right. But like, he's out here playing, he's out here playing almost like hundred percent of the dropbacks. Right. Like 
because it's right. an 11 base personnel team. They're not getting any production out of him, really. Uh, the tight ends had been a wasteland. So it just gives you another player in this intermediate area. And when you look at Kirk Cousins, historically, I know Warren had a tweet about this too. Like Kirk Cousins has utilized the tight end over the course of his career. He's been comfortable throwing at tight ends and he's been, you know, a plus EPA passer targeting tight ends and not exactly like awesome tight ends. Obviously he had Jordan Reed at the end of the Washington tenure, but the guys he's had in Minnesota so far, they haven't been anybody to really write home about. So it just gives you another viable player. And you still have the, the written and upside of like, well, what if Hawkinson still is working his way to being the prospect we thought he could be, right? Like it's a slow burn position. It's his fourth year. He's only 25 years old. Uh, you get a year and a half run out to see how he fits in this system, see if it elevates any of the play he's had so far to date. Uh, yeah, he fits right in though because Hawkinson, is, like for the course of his career, is one bugaboo is he gets no like vertical targets. He hasn't earned any vertical targets, and you're not going to get any vertical targets in the construct of the 2022 Minnesota Vikings offense. Right, and then I think you like one of the things is like you look at his yards after the catch numbers this year, which are great. On like he's averaging like eight yards after the catch per reception. Obviously, and like the he. The, the blowback there is uh, well, it's because of like a couple of really big plays. And like, that's also kind of the point, right? If you're throwing underneath in this Minnesota offense, like they need to create explosive plays in that way because they aren't creating them in any other way. They aren't creating them with, with the downfield throws. So if you can get Hawkinson in space a little bit and he's going to have the potential to break some of those big plays, that's exactly what this offense needs. So I, I think it's it's it kind of fits perfectly in what they can do there. And I think just kind of raises the ceiling uh, of what some next iterations of Minnesota can be. Um, I like both those guys a lot. Though. I like Brad Holmes and I like Questy a lot. And then the fact yeah. that they've already made two deals together – you know, because they, they were involved in the Jameson, the James Williams draft night trade uh, just shows that like you've got forward thinking guys that aren't saying like, well, this team's in my division. I'm scared to trade him. Why, why would I give them my guy? Uh, the fact that they're able to get over those mental hurdles, because that's all you see. Like if you turn on ESPN and see if they're like, they traded him in the division. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean. They, they, it's also clear like these two teams are on very different timelines. Um, mm-hmm. So it just, it, that doesn't matter uh, quite as much either. So speaking of timelines, I, the, the Chicago bears uh, trading for Chase Claypool is uh, somewhat, I've been trying to like really wrap my head around this because like oh, we want more receivers in that offense. I don't know if like Chase Claypool is the guy I want to be sending a high second round pick for. Because um, I think you like look at what Claypool was. He kind of won on the outside some of these you know the contested catches with with the go routes, and you know he uh, complained a couple weeks ago that there weren't enough go routes in uh, the 2022 Steelers offense. And if you want go routes, like go go be vertical with Justin Fields, I guess. Um, but in terms of like asset allocation, is like is Claypool the like that type of guy that's like. I've seen like Claypool's going to help evaluate Justin Fields. Like, is, like, is he really? Obviously, he's better than what Chicago has at the position right now. But I think that's more about Chicago's wide receivers than it is about Claypool. Um, so, how 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 are you uh, feeling about the trade and, and how you're uh, picturing what Claypool is going to be able to do in Chicago? 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you are, again, like we talked about with Hawkinson, like you're getting kind of cost control on like a young player still, right? That's already proven that like he is capable of production. I mean, this is a kid that he had 11 touchdowns this rookie season. Like we know that there's at least something here with Chase Claypool. Will he ever be that apex alpha? We don't know. And I think when you look, spin it forward, like what receivers are going to be available in the and that's That's one of the things, yeah. And then when you look at where you're going to be like, all right, well, what, how do we know what receivers are going to be available in the second round? Like, I think they, they paired all that stuff together. And also, I mean, I don't want to say like it was a whole thing, but like they're kind of drawing live still. Like, and I think that I don't know if they're, they really believe that because they traded away, you know, obviously a guy like Rokon Smith and Robert Quinn. Um, but like they still are kind of, they have the same record as the Packers. Like they're winning some games still. They're finding a way. So it's kind of a mixed bag because I feel like you in totality, like I don't think Claypool's ever really going to be that alpha receiver. Um, you, and, and I also think in my year and a half of just layman's watching Justin Fields, like you want guys that get open on their own with Justin Fields. And I think that I don't know if that's really a mesh with Claypool, but like I said, cross control over a young player that's already proven production. I, it's, I don't have like a ton of pushback on that aspect of it. Yeah, it's, I think it, it kind of leads me to like the Christian Kirk conversation, right? Where you are giving up something for a receiver who can play a, a role that's going to be useful, but you're still giving up a, a high amount of assets in Christian Kirk's uh, case. It was, you know, the, the contract and the cap hits uh, for Claypool. It's the, the draft compensation. You like get that guy, then you still probably still have a need at receiver to fill out whatever yeah. that room is going to be. Right. And then we kind of saw it, you know, Jacksonville traded for Calvin Ridley, Ridley um, which is a, a trade. I, I like quite a bit for them because like you said, where are you getting, you know, top quality wide receivers from, we kind of saw from last season, it, it's going to take a, a first round picker more to pry those players away. Those guys aren't hitting free agency. You look to the draft, but you know some of those guys are, are going to be hit or miss. So if you're a team like Jacksonville, I think that it's it's a good gamble to um, to throw like a at most like a second and fifth uh, to be getting Ridley, and it only becomes like a second if they sign him to an extension. Which like if they're signing him to an extension, he played well when he was on the field. So I think that that's a that's a good shot to take. Uh, but then you look at like Claypool is th- does throwing a second round pick at, at him make it less likely that you're going to use that first round pick on a guy who might be there in the first round that could truly be like that alpha, uh, like a, a, you know, a Quentin Johnson or Jordan Addison. Like if one of those guys are there that like could potentially help, are you now less likely to take one of them because you just traded a second for Claypool? I think like in the long term that might potentially hurt you. Um, So it's, it's, you know, up and down. So I'm interested to see what Claypool like what his role is going to be, right? Because we kind of saw him lose his outside snaps to George Pickens. He was playing 75% of his snaps in the slot with Pittsburgh this year after he spent 77% outside uh, over his first two years. I think, kind he of, should. I think it, he should be a big slot. And I saw him, he made a comment about not being a big slot uh, in Chicago. Uh, he thought that maybe moving to the slot hurt him in Pittsburgh this year. But like, I feel like he a prototype big slot. So, and that's kind of, he was a tight end in college too. Like that's like, (laughs) right. So that's, that's one of the things like it just, it hasn't really seemed to click because we have seen like even his like per route numbers have 
completely dropped off as he's you know been in the slot and whether he's not comfortable there or, or whatever um well, i mean no one has good numbers uh when you look at the pittsburgh offense that's that is true um <laughs> there's nobody surviving the mess that's going on with that pittsburgh offense right now so uh, that's that's also one of the things like for for chicago look at juju right like we did the same thing with juju like yeah. everyone was wondering it's like well what happens when juju gets free like will he be able to reclaim any of this and like has he reclaimed, you know, like 2019 Juju status? No, but like he's been better than what he was at, like to close out that Pittsburgh run. And so like maybe you're hoping that, that like some of that exists with Claypool, right? Like, yeah, and I think like that's that's part of the bet that – He's also it, not going to play with Patrick Mahomes, but. <laughs> right. Um, but hey, Justin Fields, just as good. Um, so like that that's part of uh, – that's kind of what is baked into – you're not you're not really giving yourself the margin of error i think with the high second round pick that you that is likely going to be what that second round pick ends up being you're not really giving yourself a margin of error to hope that's the case you're kind of pricing in that you believe that claypool is going to get that little bit of bounce back like without being in pittsburgh like that that's already priced into what you gave up for him so um it's one of those things where like, I get like, I guess that was the best receiver on the market, but it's just, it's, it's a tough thing because it's like, that's not really the quality of, of guy you would kind of want for what that compensation was, uh, which I think is kind of where, where I fall on this. It could still take a first round receiver though next year. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. So that was one of the, that's like just (laughs) what I talked about. You, you obviously could, and, and maybe you probably should because I think you still need that number one guy because I don't – like Mooney has not been that guy. I don't think Claypool's that well, he's guy. He's not so that you, read either. Yeah, Mooney's the yeah. same thing, yeah. So, so you probably – and that's kind of part of my hesitation with it. You you give up that high second rounder, but you still probably need that you know number one guy. Um, and like if that makes it less likely, then I think like that that kind of hurts you in the long run. But uh, we'll see. It, it'll be interesting. I think Chicago's figuring some things out. So um, if they do get that, um, then I, I guess we'll see. It just it, it, they're they're buying very high. I think on on what they expect Claypool in this offense to be, and I think like that that's kind of tough. Yeah, the Claypool uh, market was always interesting. I was always curious to see what he was gonna fetch because there was the rumors like they were looking for multiple picks and yeah like, okay. I, well that that first one that <laughs> well, no that, I, we knew out, that like, wasn't true but yeah. obviously we knew that was just just pumping the bags but i was still curious to see what he actually was going to draw uh because again you know young player touchdown score people love that archetype of receiver like sure. you know, not yeah. a lot of guys are built like chase claypool right uh you know and that kind of that kind of receiver actually is kind of dying out in the nfl a little bit um, the way the game has moved to like speed and space and guys predicated on getting open because of these quarterbacks, uh, you know, uh, in college, like Justin Fields is a great example, right? Like Justin Fields never had to throw it. To, he threw to wide open dudes his entire career, uh, you yeah. know, at Ohio state. And it's, it's been different in the NFL, especially in the modern NFL. Now this new era where the meta is playing so much zone coverage and making you have to, like now in the NFL, you're throwing at coverage more than I, I can remember, like, right. uh, you know, in the NFL. So yeah, maybe Claypool is just a bad because not not having enough foresight. Like his archetype receiver just might not be that viable uh, anymore. Like you just need those guys to be DeAndre Hopkins, and like they, it's hard to find DeAndre Hopkins. Right. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And that's one of those things. And like we can go to like the the Packers part of this, where like they were obviously they were reportedly in 
the discussions and they had an offer on the table that I guess also had a second round pick. But if you're getting Chicago's second round pick, those are two very different valuations of a mm-hmm. second round pick. Um, and like, I see some people who were like disappointed Green Bay didn't do more to make the move. But like, again, we're talking about like Chase Clay is Chase Claypool really like moving the needle for the Packers? Like, I I don't really think so. You already, have, I mean, so, he's Alan Lazard. Right. So, like, it, it's just kind of one of those things where... So imagine it, putting two Alan Lazards on the field. Yeah. Uh, with with an offensive line that Aaron Rodgers, like, doesn't completely trust. It, it I, I, I don't see what the uproar is and, like, the... And, or there's also, like, this kind of, like, LOL Packers. Like, they didn't, like... It, it. I don't think it made a lot of sense. I think it, it helps them out to, to have a second-round pick. I don't think... Ch- Claypool really moves the needle. And then you're taking one of the receivers who like, needs to build trust. Uh, like, are you taking away snaps from Romeo Dobbs because Chase Claypool's on the field? Like, I don't, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, so it's just, the Packers are just kind of, they're, they're stuck with what they are or right now. And I don't think like that would have done much for them this year and beyond um, to be the honest. So like, I'm, I'm fine with that. Was Brandon Cooks. And obviously there's major roadblocks and how, teams couldn't trade for Brandon Cooks but he would have been the one guy yeah. where you're like if they could have got him he'd be the one yeah and you just kind of look at that contract with with how much of it is guaranteed with an extension that was like just recently signed and that's it's a, a tough look oh, for, man, for Houston and, and Cooks and uh, it doesn't look like it's uh, a much better look after the deadline doesn't look like anyone's really happy there yeah we're um, not privy to know like what goes on behind closed doors in every phone call there are obviously some guys where you look at it, it's like if you got offered anything you should have you should have taken it and i'm curious to see how those situations play out like cam Akers, like because if the rams even got any offer for cam Akers, they should have just taken it it didn't even matter a fifth a sixth it didn't like they should have just accepted it right like yeah. there's a there's a there's an internal schism between him and the coach uh he's a running back <laughs> Uh, like that you can't run the football either. Like it doesn't matter. The Rams could plug in, you know, 1986 Eric Dickerson into this offense right now. And he's not running for anything. There's not one player the Rams could plug in that is going to be like an effective runner for them. Yeah. The it's, the it's actually like real interesting how different a conversation we probably would have been having about Christian McCaffrey, like, and his value if he had gone to the Rams. Yes. Because he's a, he's a force multiplier right now for what the 49ers can do. Like he doesn't fix the Rams. I think we and talked, I, you kind of hit on that a little bit. Yeah. Like, and I think like yeah. we're, we're having very different conversations about like what that trade is and, and how we can value McCaffrey as a player, uh, depending on, on which team he went to. Cause, cause you're right. There's, there's not a single running back who is going to fix what is going on with, with the Rams right now. Um, but with what he's doing in San Francisco, like it's just, it's a perfect fit for, for everything and like it, it just fits seamlessly we already kind of saw uh, even more as they um kind of unveiled the, the McCaffrey plays yeah, do you remember um, when it took one game for him to, to look like 2006 LaDainian Tomlinson <laughs> yeah and like statistically <laughs> the, the the passing uh the receiving it's uh, it's a lot of fun so um Obviously, the other the big trade was uh with Bradley Chubb to see the Dolphins uh for a first round pick and like they're just they're they're in a they're not like all in in a sense where like there's no future uh like they they gave up a 2023 20, first round pick for chubb uh they already signed up to an extension which you know it's the 49ers it's, it's, 2023 
Right. Well, they they already they had lost there. Yeah. 2023 so like they i think we're when, still expecting that 49ers 2023 to get to the back of the first yeah absolutely so you know it's it's still maybe a bit of an overpay for it but chubb's been real good this year i think you you know a little hesitant on on some of the injury issues he hasn't been able to stay on the field a lot but he's uh, third in pass rush win rate right now for for espn now you pair him and uh jalen phillips who has been really good he's 10th in pass rush rate now you can open up some of this four-man rush a a little bit more you don't have to do as much blitzing as they have been doing um because they had one of the highest blitz rates still only 21st in pressure rate this year uh so i think if you can get a little more pressure with four you don't have to be as exotic or, or try as many things um Along the defensive line, which could hopefully help out the coverage, which is starting to come along a little bit, but they still have some issues there. Um, obviously, you you get Chubb uh, on that contract extension, which is still a lot. But oh, when you look at like, there's going to be a, a Bosa extension coming up. There's going to be a you know a Brian Burns extension coming up. There, there's a lot of edge rushers who are going to be getting those contracts soon too. So by the time we look at this, like Bradley Chubb might not even be like in the top ten of of his like average annual value, which is if you want to look like, I haven't seen like the actual details to get like the three year cash flow, which is like actually kind of what really matters. Um, but it, that contract's probably not going to look like as big as it is in the top of the edge market by the time we get some of the other contracts that, that are coming up. So again, if you're Miami, like how else are you getting another like top edge rusher? You kind of just kind of need to do that. And when you look at the offense, like there's let's, we can use this to kind of dive into uh, that game a little bit because I think if you look at what Miami is doing on offense, there's a complete buy-in here. Like we know this offense is very good. Uh, I think I wrote in first and ten. And I'm going to be writing about it too again this week. Um, with with Tua on the field, they are second in EPA per play um, behind the Chiefs and second in yards per play behind the Bills. And like that, that's it. Like they are a top offense when. Tua is on the field so when you can kind of you still have him on on a rookie deal you're trying to get the most before you like really balloon in value with some of these Tyree kill uh the contract and uh Jalen Waddle extension that's going to be coming down the line too so to get like younger you know top tier players coming in like that that's fine uh, and you're not completely mortgaging the future either you still have 2024 first you're not like starting to give away like a multiple first down the line you're not getting into a rams or, or saints territory here um and I think it's it's fine and like you you kind of be needing to to help that that defense a little bit so um it's a bit of an overpay like the trade uh, I think you're going to be looking at you know Miami coming in you know they're they're playing the Bears which um you know as much as we just kind of talked about Chicago uh finding the offense a little bit and like that's still not a team that like oh, yeah. you're, you're worried about right so <laughs> I think you kind of look in like this is going to be just a, a fun the offense that that continues to put up a, a lot of points and um so I, I don't really mind it at all for Miami no, I mean they're five and three right now. They've got the Bears this week. They play the Browns still without Deshaun Watson. They've got a bye week. They play the Texans. Like you got a chance to be in the driver's seat. They have a tough. They have a really tough finish to the season. But that's why you stack these wins now. Yeah. Uh, and you can try to split those. You're you're cruising. You're in the playoffs in the AFC, and you got a puncher's chance. Uh, you know, with them, uh, I'm real curious to see Miami if they're going to be one of these teams like 
that did like the, the, the playoff football narrative, right? Like, you know, to go to Buffalo because like they can't run the football either. This is a team that can't run the football very well. Um, they're really kind of contingent on this drop back pass game and it's a great drop back pass game. Uh, we need them to, to stay at home in the playoffs, get to get to these fair weather cities. But I'm listen. I we were in on the Dolphins in the off season. Uh, the, the the offense has been better than I think we both. This is our like, yes, <laughs> as high as we were. Um, and like I I wrote like very glowingly about Tua and like and even like setting expectations and kind of how we talked about Tua. And this is already like better than I, like even yeah. I thought it, it was going to be. Yeah, and you're right. And um, they're just uh, it's a it's a pull all the all the right levers type thing. Uh, all what I'm going to be writing about is like how Tua is part of i think like people are still labeling it as like the point guard of this offense and they're kind of using that in a bit of a derogatory type way but i think just the way he is able to that will always happen though like because he doesn't throw the ball like herbert or mahomes it's just like that will always happen like there will always be that person <laughs> right but there's there's so much of what he does and the speed in which he can process and get the ball out and still push the ball downfield, right? There is no quarterback right now who is throwing 10 or more yards down the field with a lower average time to throw. He is getting that ball out. That is like creating windows that wouldn't be open otherwise. And I, I had this uh, table in first and 10 on the intermediate throws. And you, you would think like those are always, they always look open. Right. But when you had either Teddy Bridgewater or Skylar Thompson in there, they weren't getting the ball out as quickly. And those windows were closing. And those guys combined for, I think, four interceptions, maybe five. Mm -hmm. um, and Tua has not thrown an interception into the intermediate. So you kind of see like what that processing speed and just the ability to get the ball out kind of means. And, and Tua is creating windows himself because of how he is able to get that ball into into those parts of the field. And then when you do have a Tyreek Hill or a Jalen Waddle, like they are making those windows even bigger. And that's why that this offense is moving. But like Tua is a very big part of why this offense works. Uh, and I don't think, I still think he's like not getting the credit uh, of the, the part he is playing in this. I think people just kind of see, oh, you have the two fastest wide receivers. Right. Like anyone can do that. And I think we kind of saw, like, obviously there were you know, some injury issues with with Thompson and, and Bridgewater when they were in the field and neither one of them finished the game they started. Um, but you know, I think we just still saw when they were on the field, like that's not necessarily the case. Like Tua is still bringing an aspect that the Dolphins right now are, are taking advantage of. And that's why this offense is working the way it does. So the uh, man, the, the rest of these games, it's there's not. I think we kind of go into this every week, just kind of like, yeah, it's tough this week, especially because you got you know the Bills play the Jets. We kind of like, and you know, listen, I don't want to be a thing about that because you know, I got a lot of pushback about the Zach Wilson stuff on Twitter. And like, listen, I want the Jets to be good, but like, we do, but every, he's, he's everything, not. everything he's, he's we just... talked about, like why they were getting by with wins, and then we saw the same thing with the Giants, right? Like, I want the Giants to be good. But we said, like, last week, like, if you were to choose which one of these teams is more sustainable, we both were vehemently on, like, what Seattle's doing is more real than what the Giants are doing. Feel good if you're a fan of those teams. We're not saying you shouldn't feel good about what the, you've done and accomplished this year. Uh, but you've got, like, they're playing the Bills. Uh, you know, we've got the, the, the Lions are playing the Packers. The Vikings are playing the Commanders. Like, I, I mean, I guess the more interesting games, I guess, are, like, Chargers-Falcons, like, Jags-Raiders. Uh, so I, 
I am slightly fascinated by the Jaguars Chargers. are a decent team, but like they're just like having a terrible run out. Yeah, that it's we yeah, we've we've kind of talked about that. I, I'm fascinated by Chargers Falcons, right? Because I think like you would just look at these teams <laughs> in a vacuum and be like, oh, this is a game the Chargers should run away with, right? Especially oh, yeah. the way especially the way we were talking about the Chargers heading into the season. And I am as guilty as anyone about that. They still can't stop the run. The only thing the Falcons do is run the ball, right? <laughs> they might not throw a pass in this game, right? Um, and it's just... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the Chargers are going to throw, throw 60 uh, six-yard passes. Right, like this, this might be like one of the worst matchups for the Chargers, like even with the secondary that is not good for Atlanta. Uh, and they traded for Rashad Fenton, which is eventually going to help, but how quickly he's going to yeah. come in there. They're, they're still Terrell's injured. Back. They're still yeah. injured on the back end a little bit. But uh, the Chargers are going to go into this game probably without Keenan Allen, mm-hmm. without Mike Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, so any type of explosive receiving talent that you kind of thought would be there at the beginning of the season, still not there in an offense that is struggling for a lot of different reasons. Um just going up against a yeah. team that if they need to run the ball 50 times, like at the Arthur Smith's dream game, um, <laughs> uh, apparently uh, with Cordero Patterson coming back, right? Like it's it, a lot of things are going in the Falcons favor here. And that is not something I uh, ever thought I would have said uh, when we would be looking at this matchup early in the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, both of the both of these teams, we kind of talked about it in the, the staff chat earlier this week, but yeah, both of these teams that what they want to do on offense is what the other team is inherently worse at stopping. Uh, the short passing game, the Falcons haven't really stopped anybody the entire season. Uh, like I said, they could get AJ Terrell back, and then if you put Fenton on the field, at least gives you more adequate bodies, although you know Terrell was on the field for the, the front stretch too when they were struggling. Um, they have no pass rush, the Falcons. Obviously, we knew that coming into this year. Um, they're another team like the Bears, like just like the defensive pieces haven't gotten there yet, and they don't have as good as young pieces outside of AJ Terrell that the Bears have. Um, but the Chargers Epiketti's been doing Epiketti's yeah. been doing a couple fun things, but just he's not like the guy that's gonna take over a game yet. And yeah, yeah. with without much help outside of like Grady Jarrett. Um yeah, still needs a little more, but he's he's flashed like whenever you kind of see him. Um so it's just one of those things where like it's laying the foundation, but in terms of production, like right now, it's something that's going to change a game. Like it's not there yet. Yeah. And the chargers have just been pushed into this being this one dimensional offense because the state of the offensive line, the fact that they can't run the football at all, the wide receiver injuries they've dealt with, you know, the entire season between, you know, Keenan got hurt week one. Uh, and, you know, they've been try- ro- rotating guys behind Mike Williams, you know, throughout the course of the the run that Keenan Allen was out. Now he's going to be out make big Mike as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's not great on paper. And, you know, we do this with the Chargers every year. Like nothing that happened in 2012 to the Chargers should have anything to do with what happened to the 2023 Chargers. But right. here we are again. They're the mo- one of the most injured teams. It's just it's it's here we are again with them. Uh, it's frustrating on a lot of levels because one, we know that there's a ceiling with Justin Herbert. They've got a bunch of talent. It hasn't worked out like the free agent signings. Uh, they've been one of the most disappointing teams, uh, and they could I could see a scenario where they lose this game for sure on the road. I mean, they are off the bye, which helps, but 
they are not structurally built to stop the run. And we're going to get Cordero Patterson back for this game too. He's probably not going to be like have his full workload, but we've seen like, like Caleb Huntley has been awesome. Uh, you know, I wrote a little bit about him and just like how effective he's been. And, you know, I'm sure it's schematic that has schematically something to do with it, but like he's been way better than Tyler Algier has been running the football. Uh, so they they have bodies to throw. Like they're going to throw multiple body blows at you with multiple guys. They're going to run a ton of pistol because that's what they're doing. Um, they got the quarterback run game as part of their, their offense as well. And they found the last couple weeks, a way to get Kyle Pitts some targets here, um, where he looks like that was the best game Kyle Pitts had arguably his career last, last week. Uh, you know, he had the good run, the, the London game against the jets. Um, but man, he looked really good last week. Now if we can just get Drake London involved a little bit more than he's been, we're cooking with something, but this is definitely a game where if you're the chargers, like you don't want to oversight looking at the Falcons here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think we're going to get a, you know, a, a three target uh, Kyle Pitts game, but that's going to be like ah. an 80% target share. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, nine targets last week for Kyle Pitts. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's just kind of like the, the styles make fights a little bit. And this is mm-hmm. just, it, it really lines up for like the Falcons to do what they like really want to do, um, on offense. So uh, it's, Chargers are hurting, man. Like this is this yeah. is tough. It's tough. Like where the station they're in, with the amount of injuries they have, who's hurt? It's tough, man. It's tough, and I it's crazy because you know, and I guess maybe we're now moving to the minority, but like it feels like Brandon Staley is going to fall on an unnecessary sword. So we, I mean, there's they're still doing good things. Like it's 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 tough. Um, because, I, I don't want it to come to that. That all, that, you know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it should. I mean, look um, at this though. If they don't win this game, they go on the road to the 49ers next week. Then they play the Chiefs. Then they go on the road to the Cardinals. On the road to the Raiders. Then they play the Dolphins. Then they play the Titans. Who I, you know, listen, Dan. Titans are tightening. Uh, it, it, and it's tough, man. The Chargers have a brutal, brutal rest of the road here. Yeah, and you kind of like looked at that at the beginning of the season and said they have an otherworldly quarterback who's going to, you know, make up for that. And, you know, between the injuries and and the offense, I think if they're, you would think if there's a, a fall guy that happens like in the season, it's going to be Joe Lombardi. Yeah. Um, but uh, the fact that he's still there and they're fine with whatever has been happening, like, yeah, I don't know if that's, a thing they are going to be looking into doing um, because you would have figured something would have been changed by now if they were truly unhappy with whatever was going on. But yeah, there's so many factors that we mm-hmm. still need to like think about Justin Herbert's ribs, which are <laughs> uh, is still not probably not a hundred percent. Like we haven't kind of heard anything because Justin Herbert's a, a robot, but like that, that that's a significant injury that it's still in place that he's been playing through. So it's just, uh, just a, a lot of things, everything that could have gone wrong for the charter season. I think you could have also, I just know, listen, we better not hear anything about Justin Herbert's, you know, a dot this weekend, because if you think Michael Bandy is going to raise that, that a dot, uh, it don't matter. I, just, I also just, I don't, I don't, I don't want to absolve Joe Lombardi for what's happened to the chargers. Like he's part of the problem for sure. But like, He's not like the problem. Like it, it's a conglomerate just, of a lot of. Things. It is. I think there are some issues with the offense that are 
magnified by what the yes. offensive structure is. Um, 100%. And okay. I think if, if there was a slightly better thinking, I think, and, and schematics on the offense, you'd be able to cover up some of the personnel issues, uh, but everything going around. Um, I just, so I'm kind of hoping for this game because I just, I don't want people on certain networks coming out with videos. I have to see on my Twitter timeline about how Justin Herbert is overrated because of <laughs> like pick sixes. Yeah. Is that what we're doing? I don't, I don't know. I just, uh, we, we don't need that anymore. So like if the chargers could win this, that would also just kind of help from, well, from I think from everyone's always going to be a thing. Uh, yeah. But the, um, I mean, just, they just need this win. Cause look, look at what that schedule we just laid out. Like they have, they need this win. Yeah. Um, so you go to four and four with that slate in the AFC. How crazy would it be if the AFC West only puts one team in the playoffs after everything after yeah. talked about uh, yeah. the entire off season. Yeah. It was, it was never really high on, on the Raiders and like a lukewarm on the Broncos, but yeah. Um, for the, for the chiefs to actually be the only good team. Um, the so Broncos actually might be more live than the chargers as crazy as it sounds. At this point, man, that defense is is real good. Um, now I think we, we kind of talked about that, but um, <laughs> let's let's talk about the Chiefs because they continue to uh, do very good things and be very uh, Chiefs like because uh, Patrick Mahomes very good. Um, defense is, is coming alive a little bit, and they are they're playing the Titans. So let's let's talk about the Titans because we Titans are really, We really have it. They're <laughs> they're just doing what they do, man. Um, they, expected they, win-loss record of three and three, and they're five and two, so or th- they, three and a half, three point seven. There, yeah. We wouldn't have TA to do the Pythagorean theorem drop uh, anymore. Where we, but the uh, Titans, uh, not a very good team when you look at them uh, on paper, uh, and they're five and two. This is what not, Rabel, This is what this is the, the this is the shit that they always do. That's, <laughs> yeah, it is. It it just kind of is like when it's just not. <laughs> not particularly good at at really like any point right i think if you look at what they are right now in in offense they are currently 24th in epa per play um they are they have negative epa uh per drop back right now and that is like even with ryan Tannehill. like ryan Tannehill has not been playing well uh and then you come in with Malik Willis, who they just they didn't want him to throw the ball at, oh, at God, any no. point, and even when like they did allow him to throw the ball, uh, he did kind of the, the Malik Willis thing where he was going to hold on to the ball until something was really open, uh, and then that never happened. So the uh, passes just didn't get thrown. Um, yeah, listen, so Robert just, Woods and Nick Westbrook Akine aren't going to be really open. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's kind of that's where they were. So I th- I think we are on track for Tannehill to come back. But a not 100% Ryan Tannehill, like a 100% Ryan Tannehill has not been, you know, that good. Um, Again, because Robert Woods and Nick Westbrook are not going to be very open. Right. And so, <laughs> like, can you can you rely on, on Derrick Henry to continue doing the Derrick Henry things that he's been doing? Um, and, you know, that's been up and down this season. And, you know, when he's playing the Texans, uh, that's great. I think I wrote in first and 10, there have only been... 30 or sorry there've only been two players this year with over 30 carries and a 50% success rate rushing um those were Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor 
and both they against were, the both came against the Texans. Yeah. So that's just the, the worst run de- defense in the league right now. Um, and we just got Brandon cooks will not play tonight uh, against the Eagles. Um, we just got that notification from, from chapter. So yeah, the, the Brandon cooks conversation is, is going to be uh, an interesting one uh, heading yeah. through the, the rest of the season. So, um, but if we go back to here, um, like, I, I think you just kind of look at it. It's just like the Titans are just going to, to be there. I guess it, it feels like they're a team right now. It just kind of like the encapsulation of what the NFL is right now. Like they're going to be able, but they'll be able to hang with, some bad teams or like just kind of the mediocre teams, but it just kind of feels like they're, they shouldn't be able to hang with the chiefs. And I, right. Like maybe well, we, saw to they, they played, wrong, no, right? we, we saw in week two, they played the bills and they got absolutely flooded. Right. Um, and, and we haven't seen them. They, I mean, listen, they've played since then they played the Raiders, the Colts, the commanders, the Colts again, and the Texans. Like it's not like they really be, t- like, I expect the team like the Titans, to beat those teams mostly like, you know, so now they have to punch up and they have punched up in years past, but how do you generate any points? Right? Like it was one thing when you go into, uh, you know, Kansas city last year and, and AJ Brown has 110 yards or whatever, right. you know, and, and you're able to score 30 points. Like they don't have that guy this year. Obviously Traylon Burke's still not going to play. Uh, he's still on IR. Like where are they getting any explosive passing plays? Like when you have to have a drop back passing game to come back and score any points, like this is a team. Like if you just put points on, ahead on the scoreboard on the Titans, like they're pretty screwed. They're going to be pretty screwed uh, because once you can't give Derrick Henry thirty carries, because it's not even that Derrick Henry, like on a per carry basis, has been awesome. He right. really hasn't. But the fact that the game script's there and you're able to just keep giving him the football and keeping your offense on script is a huge deal. And if you can get this offense off script and have to make them throw the ball. I think you're going to see a lot of, of real issues kind of be ex- exploited on this team and really kind of brought to light. Um, this is a team that's a complete pass funnel. You're getting the Chiefs off of a bye. Obviously, you're going to have the Andy Reid bye narrative. Also, one thing about the Chiefs, like, who is uh, now number one in EPA throwing to wide receivers? What? The Chiefs? The Chiefs? Like, we were there a couple weeks ago when they played the Bills. Like, they're not getting any plays from the receivers in the past two weeks, man. Like, they're just getting plays from these guys. You add Kadarius Tony. Who knows what we'll get from Kadarius Tony if he's just brought in the part return or not. It's just at least gives them another guy to throw at the wall here. But they're getting production out of these guys last week. These guys are making plays. Uh, Mahomes has been in his bag on third downs, third and long, just being a demon. Um, yeah, there's a reason this game, where you look at it from a record stance, you're like, well, the Titans are 5-2. and two. They've been a playoff team for a number of years, and they're still 12-point dogs, right? Like, there's yeah. a reason. <laughs> yeah, it just it, it just kind of feels like that is where the NFL is right now. Like the Titans are going to be able to they're they're good enough and well coached enough. And I think like I don't think we give Vrabel enough credit consistently for like how this team is just it never like completely bottoms out, even when it it probably should, right? Like they've been good enough. Um, where they're they're going to be able, like you you ran through their schedule. It's just like that and that's what they need to do i think when like you look at a, a team like the jaguars that kind of we talked about it's just like they sh- also should be beating up on some of these teams and there's just like something and that doesn't games, work and yeah so a credit to the titans for for what they have been um it just kind of feels like when they are going to match up with one of the good teams um it's it's just it's 
we're going to show like kind of what the difference is between the true talent level. And yeah. I like kind of that's we saw it in week two. Expecting. Like yeah. until until I see the Titans punch up on another game outside of that, like I'm gonna consider like that's just where they reside. Yeah. Um yeah, absolutely. So let's let's hit one more game here. I, I kind of like want to continue to talk about the Seahawks because they might be like actually good. I feel like we like teeter on this line every week. Um, yeah, we talked last week. We said like of all the teams that have been surprises, they're the team that we believe was the most sustainable. So yeah, and we were talking about that like in relation to the, the Giants, and I mm-hmm. think we kind of saw that. But I think one of the things was like it was also like it came to fruition of what that game plan we said would work against the giants. Like that's exactly what Seattle did. Right. Every time Daniel Jones was on a bootleg, there was someone rushing in his face. Uh, and that took away the damage they could do, um, you know, in that boot game that also, again, then put the giants in, in places where they were not able to. And, and the giants, you know, had some injuries, along the offensive line, but like, it looked like a, you know, 2020, 2021 Saquon Barkley type game uh, where he was running to the line, getting hit. And there were no chances to create some of those explosive plays. Um, Seattle has been getting better in, in the run game. I think uh, I got email from uh, the, the NFL uh, today, go running through like the offensive players of the month and defensive uh, players of the month and the rookies and like it's all Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, their draft like, class, man. What a draft class. Um, it was. Uh, I think. Uh, I think Geno Smith was the offensive player of the month. Um, uh, Kenneth Walker was the offensive rookie of the month. Uh, Tariq Woolen was the defensive rookie of the month. It's just like everything is coming together. And we kind of talked about it at the beginning of the season. Like this would be a defense that was going to try to do cool things. Would it click? It, it probably wouldn't. They probably wouldn't have enough talent. Uh, to make it matter. And and now they do. And everything is coming together. This offense is legitimately good. It, DK Metcalf is like literally an alien because like, we've <laughs> always kind of just joked about what an athletic specimen, but like this was an injury that when it happened, we were expecting him to be out like weeks and he played the next week and, and scored a touchdown. Probably could, could have been more. Um, yeah. So it, it's crazy. And it just like Geno Smith playing legitimately good. We, we talked about Geno. Uh, last week but like doing actual like very good quarterback things um that intermediate and deep area with with Metcalf and Lockett um it just kind of feels like this is a place where they'll be able to take advantage of, of Arizona even though Arizona continues to be kind of frisky on defense even though they they shouldn't be um but it just feels like the, the Seahawks just the Seahawks have different ways to beat you also and I think like that's one of the th- the other things like the offense didn't necessarily have a very good performance i guess like it technically like it, some of the process was well there were some plays that were left on the field uh but they had like negative epa uh in that game against the giants but then the defense came alive right and it just kind of feels like they can win with the passing game they can win with some of those explosive plays on the ground they now have a defense that can you know take over and have some of that high variance at least where you can take advantage of, of some of that high side um, and I think like that's you can't say that about a lot of teams this year with like unit different units that can take over a game. And I think the Seahawks are there right now. Yeah, I mean they're they're a fun team to watch. They're like legitimately excited to watch Seahawks games. Not as yeah. much excited to watch the Cardinals because the Cardinals do what they do, right? Like 
you do it, you see, like, we get Hopkins back last Thursday. They're moving Hopkins all around the field. And then we just go right back to him stationed on left wide receiver. Uh, and, like, listen, it didn't hurt DeAndre Hopkins counting stats, but, like, the same stuff, right? right? Like, it's the yeah. same stuff over and over with this offense. Um, I'm just kind of, like, over the – I'm just kind of over the whole experience of the Cardinals offense at this point. Um, but, yeah, they're probably going to be live here. I imagine that they're going to score a touchdown in this game. They didn't score a touchdown in the first game uh, when these teams played in Seattle. Obviously, Hopkins didn't play in that game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, it's just hard for me to, like, really feel anything – it's hard for me to emote on the uh, Arizona Cardinals at all right now. Uh, the only team that's – they actually have trailed for the highest rate in the league. They've trailed for the highest percent of snaps. They're they're down early in that game. They fight back against the Vikings. Um, statistically, they have, like, a productive offensive day. But, like, there was never a point, like, where you're watching that offense and, like, thinking, like, you're watching a good offense. Yeah, and, like, we, we had talked about – what they kind of looked like when Hopkins came back and that Thursday game was actually a lot of fun. They were doing some good things on offense and then like moving him around. I think you look, all right. So week five, there was motion on 26.2% of Kyler Murray's dropbacks. Week six, it was 25.5. Week seven, which was that Thursday game, yeah, 62.5%. And that was what we talked about. You were moving Hopkins around, not just to move him around. There was a reasoning for it. It was setting things up. So 62.5% of Murray's dropbacks had motion. We go back to week eight, 22 point, or sorry, 21.6. Uh, it's just, it, like we, we saw it worked. Why, why are we going back to whatever, whatever it just, yeah. it continues to be that thing. Um, and then right now, like, um, you know, uh, you know, they, the Seahawks use sides. Um, and if we see DeAndre Hopkins on, on the left, that's going to be where Tariq Woolen lines up and the giants, uh, I shared a chart like during the game, the giants completely stopped throwing to that side of the field. They had like zero targets toward Tariq Woolen, uh, when he was lined up on, uh, on that left side of the field. Um, they tried to throw ev- everything they did was to the other side. So we might get like a Tariq Woolen, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and, and that's kind of going to be fun. Um, Tariq Woolen's given up like a, a couple of plays, but the, the splash plays he's making like more than makes up for it. Um, so that's going he's to be an underrated. Yeah, man, just like <laughs> two two giants, like a uh, Godzilla Mothra. I, I, I don't. Shit I mean, that, 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 like that touchdown uh, Hopkins had. I know it was a short touchdown, but it's like the dude's got some baseball mitts. Oh yeah, man. Um, so th- that, that's that's going to be a fun matchup. Um, yeah, the Seahawks just like I, I don't want to say like they are like in a in a tier where they're like the a good team, but like in the NFC where like there's not a lot uh, going on. They, again, they're fun. They're different ways they can beat you, and I think like that's more yeah, than we I can say about a, a lot of teams this year. I think in both conferences, I think we're kind of down to where we're talking about two to three teams really kind of being the head of their class, right? I mean, I don't know yeah. if the Bucks can get back to that level. I think the Bucks are still very much live, though. I don't think that they're sure. dead by any means. But uh, and then you can just talk about making a run. I guess you can make the case for the Packers, too, Like, right? Like, if you just sustain and you make a run, like, they're capable in the NFC of winning four straight games. I don't... But... I don't where, where is that run coming <laughs> no, from? No, though? it's hard to see like, now. What's, what's, get, what's getting fixed where it's that run happens? Now. And I, I just... I don't see it. I, I do see it more with the Bucks, right? Because it's just like... 
the players just kind of like aren't making plays at this point. Like if you have a healthy Godwin, you have a healthy Mike Evans, like eventually stuff's going to happen, right? You And you have more faith in like those guys picking it up than you would in like a Romeo Dobbs and Alan right. Lazard, like suddenly like being great. And, and maybe that's down the line for a guy like Dobbs, but it's just like, I don't see the, the 22, 2022 run happening there. Um, I think we're yep. down to basically it's like obviously Eagles and then 49ers Cowboys. Yep. And then Chiefs Bills. <laughs> and yeah. you've got Ravens. Like I don't have to, you know, the Ravens are right there, uh, like underneath. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think we're there with like kind of those being the teams. And I, I would say like, yeah, you've got the Dolphins and, you know, what are the Bengals, you know, obviously it's Jamar. What happened on Monday night? Uh, how did he bounce back from that? How do you correct what happened that, you know, not having Jamar Chase tough. And then Bengals are so they lost so many defensive guys these last couple weeks. Yeah. Real tough run out here defensively with the injuries that they've had. So yeah, Bengals are going to be a team to look at because their schedule is, is really hard the rest of the way out. If you look at the, the Ravens remaining schedule versus the Bengals remaining schedule, it's pretty favorable for the Ravens compared to the Bengals. And it's going to be tough for them to kind of fight back in a division probably. So yeah, yeah, here we are, man. There we are, and that's that's just kind of what the like, hey, like the, the, as bad as the Saints were, they come come back last week, win. They're still right in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, it's just where we are uh, in that conference. And that I mean, AFC. I was pulling for first place Panthers at least for one week, but first place Falcons is this fun, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it it is. Um, yeah, and the Panther PJ Walker deserved better than the outcome that happened last week. I'll say that. Man, that throw was nuts. Um, pretty next gen stats, like the longest throw by like distance from release to and not standing still and like uncorking it. Like the dude rolled yeah. out left, rolled out against his body. Right, I launched it. I like I will say I'm probably the only person in who like watched PJ Walker in college because he, temple, he went baby. to temple. Um, I did not think he had that throw in him. Um, and man, and, and also like just the PJ Walker this week compared to like, we were talking about him. He completed one yard past the line of scrimmage uh, in Two his first ago, start. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. <laughs> um, so there you go. Like given some life to, to the uh, Panthers offense, I, at least like fantasy wise. Um, but yeah. Well, that just shows you how overdue the Matt Rowe experience was, right? Like the the fact of what they've looked like the last two weeks. Um, because the talent's not really any better. Like it, it, you look at it on paper, it should be good, but like they've just had more punch. I don't know. I mean, Ben McAdoo's still running the offense. <laughs> like I don't what. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um. So yeah, there we go. Uh, we'll. You know, hopefully there will be some better games to talk about next week, and we'll we'll continue just kind of diving in. It's a lot of kind of some some toss up things because, like, kind of we talked about the Titans. There's a lot of teams that are just like they can go either way. They'll they'll hang with some some bad teams when you when you get to some of the better teams. Uh, it, it's tough, and that's just where we are running down these teams and games kind of on on a week by week basis. So. We will end the show there. Uh, 
You can find all our work on sharpableanalysis.com. Uh, you can find Rich's worksheet. You should be diving into uh, every week for uh, everything you need uh, for fantasy football. You can find Rich on Twitter at Ward Reeves. You can find me on Twitter at Sam Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.